Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analysing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective. And today we're looking at chapters 14 and 15 of Eclipse, titled Declaration and Wager. So where we left off, Jasper had taught us all about newborn vampire armies in Mexico and the South. Just the ambiguous South. And the Cullens have decided that maybe they should go and investigate what's going on in Seattle with all the newborns and the death and the destruction. They've finally decided that it might be worth their while. And Bella's stressed because she cares about them and she doesn't want them to die. Which when you put it like that is pretty fair. But when I'm in her in a monologue, I'm like, oh, get over it. <laughs> I'm so callous. And in fact, that brings me to an email I have received from a listener who has pointed out to me that I might be a little bit too harsh on Bella. I don't know the listener's name. I apologize. Their email name is m 23 But the subject line was, cut the bitch some slack, (laughs) said, Nathan, you're being too harsh on Bella. As a fellow 17 year old about to graduate and enter college, I can tell you we really are like, where did the days go? It's farewell already. We're legit surprised it's about to be the end of our school lives. And I think on some level, we all try to suppress it and hold on to our childhood. Still in her case, she's wanting to hold on to her humanness. Like how we hate going to school when we're children, but when we're literally about to graduate, we want to hold on to it. Okay, I get that. That's relatable. You're breaking it down for me so that I understand and I see where you're coming from. And the listener pretty much goes on to say, I think you should cut Bella some slack. She just wants to hold on to her humanity. And I do see your point. I am pretty mean towards Bella and I do get super frustrated by her, which probably comes across. So I've decided I'm going to go into this next chapter, just really trying to have that mindset and to just know where Bella's coming from. We'll see how long that lasts. And also, thank you for your email. If anyone else wants to email me saying that I need to cut someone some slack or that I'm getting things wrong, I'm really open to feedback, as long as it's like nice and all in fun. Don't like make fun of my voice or anything. But if you want to talk about the text, that's what I'm here for. The email address is breakingdownpod at gmail.com. So we start chapter 14, Declaration. And she's saying to Alice, oh, you can't be serious. We're not really still having the party, are we? I don't know what's changed, I guess. I guess what's changed is the fact that there's all these newborn vampires in Seattle, but that that sort of still did exist when they made the plans for the party. It's just their attitude that has changed. And Alice is like, calm down, Bella. There's no reason not to go through with it. The invitations are already sent. And Bella's like, but you are insane. She can't even form words. She's that shocked that Alice wants to have a party. You'd think by now she'd be used to Alice doing things that she didn't want to do. And Alice says, well, you've already bought my present, so you don't have to do anything but show up. So that's letting me know that she did find in the newspaper the phone number that she had to call in order to secure the ticket. So she's done that. That's good to know. And Alice sighs and she's like, you know what? There's a few things that we need to get in order. It's going to take some time. So as long as we're just sitting around waiting, we might as well have a graduation party. And she says, by the way, you only graduate from high school. Well, for the first time once you don't get to be human again, Bella. This is a once in a lifetime shot. (sighs) I really don't like that logic because what's the difference between a human graduation and a vampire graduation? Really? What's so different about it? So Bella says, well, what do you need to get in order? And Edward explains that even though Tanya's family doesn't want to help, there's still a few other friends floating about. There's Peter and Charlotte, who Jasper told us about. There's a few other people, but no one really wants to involve the Southerners. And Alice shudders when he says Southerners. So I didn't think Alice could feel the cold. So she must be concerned about the Southerners. And Bella, she astutely 
See, I'm being nice to Bella. She's astute. She says, well, they're not going to be vegetarians, are they? And Edward's like, "Mm, no. And she's like, and you're bringing these blood-sucking vampires to forks. So she's skeptical. (sighs) They don't care. Edward and Alice, they're like, ah, they're friends. Don't worry, everything's going to be fine. So they might kill some people on their way. Everything's going to be fine, Bella. So they say that Jasper's going to teach them a few courses on newborn elimination and that they're going to go in about a week. And she then pictures them fighting the newborns and she gets really worried. She says, what if it's Esme, so sweet and motherly that I couldn't even imagine her in a fight? Or Alice, so tiny, so fragile looking. Stop putting Alice and Esme down, they'll be fine. I'm sure Alice can handle herself in a fight. She's not completely useless, she just has a pixie cut. So then Bella thinks, you know, I could probably be of assistance. I could be some help. And Alice cocks her head to the side, trying to process what Bella's saying. And she's obviously not gotten a vision because she doesn't know what the hell Bella's talking about. She says, if you turned me, I could actually be really helpful because then I'll be a strong newborn. And Alice is like, actually, you're wrong. That really wouldn't be helpful because she wouldn't be able to control her instincts. It would make her an easy target. And then Edward would get hurt trying to protect her. So yeah, she'd be useless. And then Alice gets a vision. She gets a vision and she says, oh, I hate last minute cancellations. That puts the party attendance list down to 65. So she's getting RSVPs through her psychic abilities. She can't see what's going on with Bella when she's near a werewolf, but she can see when someone's not going to attend her party. Remember how a few chapters ago she said she's trying to focus on too many important things that she can't bog herself down with all of the boring minutia. She said, oh, I'm watching Bella. I'm watching the Volturi. I'm watching a hundred things at once. Some things are going to slip through the cracks. And here she is watching for RSVPs. I mean, Alice, is that really the best use of your gift? So Edward says, who cancelled? Even though, oh God, listen to this. Let me just read it out. So she says, ah, 65. I didn't even have that many friends. Did I even know that many people? And so Edward says, who cancelled? And she says, Edward wondered aloud. And I'm like, he's a mind reader. I think he knows who's cancelled. I think he's probably asking for your benefit or just to move the conversation along. And yep, it's Renee that cancelled. I think Edward only asked because she wasn't going to. Bella was like, cool, someone's not coming, great. But also, I feel like, I mean, I know Renee's shit. We all think Renee's shit. But shouldn't she be the one to tell her kid that she's not going to come to a graduation party or to her graduation? I feel like that should be on Renee's shoulders. And they've sort of taken that from Renee. So now Renee's going to dodge the responsibility. Not that Bella cares. She says, I let myself enjoy the relief. Whatever it was that went wrong for my mother, I was eternally grateful for it. If she had come to Forks now, oh, I don't even want to think about it. My head would explode. What, what's the difference? I mean, there's newborn vampires in Seattle, but what's the difference if Renee comes or not? So then she gets home, there's a message on the machine and it's from Renee saying that Phil had an accident on the ball field. The ball field, is that what they're called? I'm not a sporty guy. I don't really know my fields from my courts, but okay, so I guess it's a baseball field, but is is that what you call it? The ball field? Just call it the field. Like, I know you're playing ball on it. I don't know if you need to call it the ball field. Or maybe she's just saying that so we don't think that he had an accident in a different type of field. It just seems like an extra word that could be cut. Anyway, Phil broke his thigh bone, so Renee's not coming because she's got to look after him. Classic Renee. And Bella's like, well, that's one person I don't have to worry about getting killed this week. And Edward rolls his eyes. He's like, oh, she's so dramatic. So then she calls Renee. Renee just drones on and on and on. And while she's talking to Renee, well, Renee's talking. She's just saying, "Mm mm-hmm, uh-huh, mm-hmm. Edward's like playing with her hair, just sitting there touching her. I think it's a bit clingy. So then she hangs up, they start to kiss. And then of course he pulls away because he doesn't want to murder her. And he says, I know you think I have some kind of perfect unyielding self-control, but that's not actually the case. And she's like, no. And she's like pouting because she's quite horny. I've said it before and I'll probably say it again, but she is thirsty for the vampire D. And then he says he's going hunting tomorrow. So he's going to leave Jasper and Emmett behind to keep her safe and be babysat. And she's not really that into it because, you know, they're the big bros. She's like, oh, they're going to make fun of me. So she suggests that she goes to La Push. 
And Edward's turned a corner. He's not being too psychotic and jealous and possessive. And he says, yeah, okay, I guess, I guess you can go to La Push. So here I am congratulating him for like giving her permission to exercise her own free will, which normally shouldn't be something that you thank or congratulate or admire someone for doing. But here we are. She says his face was calm, but just a little too smooth, too smooth. Like what the hell does that mean? I almost asked if he'd rather I stayed here, but then I thought of the ribbing Emmett would no doubt dish out and I changed the subject. So she's terrified of Emmett making fun of her all of a sudden. Is this a new development? Because previously, whenever she's mentioned Emmett, she's like, oh, that big lovable bear of a man. Oh, he's got such a good zest for life. The way she describes Emmett, she's like obsessed with how jovial he is. And now she's like, oh, I don't want him to make fun of me. Where did that come from? So then Edward explains that they need to go hunting because the more blood they have in them, the stronger they are. Human blood makes them the strongest. And that's why the newborns are super strong because they have a lot of human blood still working through their system. And he says, Jasper's been thinking about cheating. He's nothing if not practical, but he won't suggest it because he knows what Carlisle will say. And she's like, ah, oh, human blood, huh? Would that help? So initially I was thinking that she was like going to offer up some of her own blood. Like how hard would it be for her to just cut open her hand a little bit, just a little smidge, drop a few bloods in and I don't know, like give it to them at a distance. I don't know. I don't know. If I were Bella, like, let's just talk this through. If I were Bella, I would, well, I'm not really that into needles. So yeah, I would probably just like get a knife, sanitize the knife or whatever, and then like cut the palm of my hand. I wouldn't like it. I I would get icked out by it, but you see it all the time in movies where people cut the palms to like make a blood pact. So it's doable. And all those people live and survive. They don't bleed out. So I would do that. I would let some drops form in like a dish of some sort, some sort of cup, some sort of container. And I would do this at my house where no one's around. I would not have Edward in the backyard. I would not have Jasper circling. I would just do that in my own peace and quiet. So I'd get, I'd get a few drops in. Like, honestly, I'm not going to get that much. Maybe I'll do the other palm. And then you'd probably want like a mixing agent. You'd probably want to beef up that, that blood with maybe some pig's blood or something. And if you've not got pig's blood handy, maybe just like go in the fridge, get some milk, swish it around with milk. I don't know. I just feel like that would help. And then I would take that container. I'd go for a drive. I'd go like halfway down the highway between mine and the Cullen's house. And then I just, I'd dump it. Like I'd hide it like an immunity idol and survivor. I'd just like put it near a distinctive tree. And then I'd go home and then I'd call Edward and I'd say, Hey, guess what? Left a little package for you underneath this distinctive tree. Go for a drive have a drink, maybe share it around to your little siblings. So they've all got a little bit of human blood in them. And I'd say, you're welcome. I've got another palm if you want me to go again. So that's what I would do. And that's what I thought she was getting at when she was like, ah, would human blood help, would it? But it turns out she's not thinking of herself. She's not thinking of herself. She says, I shuddered, realizing I was willing to have a stranger die to protect him. She was just considering Edward going off and killing someone. Never once did she even consider shedding a few drops of blood. Now, I know I had to cut the bitch some slack, but that seems pretty shitty to me. So then when she's stopped thinking about how nice it would be for Edward to murder someone, she starts thinking about how she'll be really strong when she gets turned. And Edward's like, yeah, you'll be stronger even than Emmett. And she's like, yes, Emmett, he won't be making fun of me then. Like what, where did this complex come from with Emmett? Like, I don't understand it. And then she sighed and she's like, you know what? I better get back to studying because she has exams. She says, if I didn't watch myself, I might end up writing my history essay on the vampire wars of the South. What? What? Is she trying to be funny? What? As if you remember any of the dates Jasper mentioned, he barely mentioned dates. He mentioned locations, sure. But how does she really think she's going to end up writing a history essay on the Vampire Wars of the South? Do you really think you have that knowledge in you? You heard one story one time. Like, what? What? If I didn't watch myself, I'd end up writing my essay on the vamp. How would that happen? How could you get so sidetracked that you'd end up writing about vampires instead of World War II. I don't, I don't see the connection there. Also, what were the Cullens doing during World War II? Does Stephanie ever reveal that? Because I'd really be interested to know what they were up to. 
Do they just keep out of human disputes? I think they could have come in handy. I would have put them on the front line, that's for sure. So then she calls Jacob and she arranges to get dropped off by Edward. She says Edward delivering her to the borderline felt like she was a child being exchanged by custodial guardians. I swear she's mentioned that before. She's made that comparison previously. Oh, and so it's the next day. So Edward's like, oh, how was your history essay earlier today? And she says, oh, it was fine. I guess she didn't get sidetracked and write about the vampire wars. I love that Stephanie's now just keeping us up to date on the progress of her schooling. I feel like in Twilight in particular, we were getting a lot of content of her at English and bio and calc and playing volleyball. We were doing a lot of schoolwork. And then that sort of dropped off. It picked up again in New Moon when she was at school all depressed. And then it dropped off again. And now we're hearing about her exams. How thrilling. So as they approach Jacob's car, Edward gets all tense and angry. And she says, what's wrong? And he's like, nothing. And she's like, oh my God, are you listening to Jacob's mind right now? And he was like, hmm, uh, maybe. And she says, well, what's he thinking? And he says, well, I'm sure he'll mention it himself. And Jacob's just there honking. He's honking, being like, hurry the fuck up, get out of the car. And Edward's like, well, that's impolite. And she's like, that's Jacob. I don't know if Jacob has ever really been that impolite. I don't know if he's been impolite so much that he'd have a reputation for being impolite. Something to think about. So she walks over to Jacob's car and then she looks back at Edward's car and she says, from that distance, it looks like he was truly upset about the honking thing or whatever Jacob was thinking about. But my eyes were weak and made mistakes all the time. I really think she's got self-esteem issues. And I think hanging around vampires has not helped her one iota because now she's comparing herself to them and she's never going to meet that ideal. And here she is negging herself, critiquing her own eyesight. She's gaslighting herself. And then she thinks about Edward and Jacob and how they can't be friends. And she brings up the magnets. Remember the magnets? She had those two magnets on the fridge that wouldn't stick together and they wouldn't cooperate. And she was so frustrated and she kept trying to smush them together and she couldn't. And she was like, oh, that's so frustrating. And we left it at that. And I was like, okay, pretty schlocky metaphor, but at least she didn't outright draw the comparison saying, this magnet is just like Jacob or this magnet is just like Edward. But now she brings it up and she says, oh, wow, they're just like the magnets. So here we are. Here we are full circle with the magnet storyline. So she gets in Jacob's car. He's like, hey, Bells. And he's super tired. He looks like shit, basically. His eyelids are drooping. His face is drawn. His shaggy hair stuck out in random directions. It was almost to his chin in some places. So he's got the long hair again. That's fun. And she's like, Jake, you all right? And he says, yeah, I'm tired. (laughs) What do you want to do today? And she was like, let's just hang out at your place. Thrilling, 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 thrilling. So they go to Jacob's place. Billy's not there. And she's like, where's Billy? Because that's her business. And he says, over at the Clearwaters, Since Harry died, he's been hanging out there a lot. Sue gets lonely. Oh, do we think Billy's moving in on old Sue Clearwater? Hmm, methinks a romance is afoot. And Jacob says, yeah, Sue's having some trouble with her kids. And she says, yeah, it must be hard losing their dad like that. And Jacob's like, "Mm mm-hmm. And he's probably thinking, yeah, they just turned into werewolves, but he doesn't say it. And so they're sitting there watching the TV and he's not that energetic. And she says, what's with you, Jake? You're like a zombie. Can't the guy be tired? He's doing you a favor. He just drove downtown to pick you up on the side of a highway. Like, and now you're giving him shade. You said he looked like shit. You said he looks tired and shit. And now you're like, what's wrong, Jake? You look like a zombie. Can't the guy have a day off? It's his school holidays. Let him live. So he tells her, I've not been getting a lot of sleep because I've been running around your house doing patrol. I had two hours the other night, four hours the night before that. I'm fucking shagged. And she's like, no, no, you can't. You can't be doing this. That's wrong. You need to sleep. I'll be fine. Don't watch out for me. No, you can't. There must be another way. And he's like, uh, yeah, it's no big deal. And then he says, oh, by the way, did you ever find out who was in your room? Is there anything new? Like, Should they not be having daily briefings about this? I don't know why it's coming up as an afterthought while they're watching Judge Judy. And she doesn't tell him about the newborn vampires. 
which sort of feels like it could be something that he should know. His sole purpose is to defeat vampires, so they could come in handy, particularly since Tanya's not going to help. How come they're not getting the wolves to help out? And also, do we not perhaps think that the 50 or 60 vampires over in Seattle could not be spurring on all of these werewolf transformations that we're having? They say more and more people from the tribe are becoming werewolves and younger and they think it's just because of the same seven Cullens? Maybe it's to do with the newborn army just next door. Maybe, maybe. I feel like it should be Jacob's business, but she just plays dumb and she says, no, we don't know anything. And she's still annoyed at him being tired and trying to protect her. Like she's so annoyed by it. She says, I want my friend Jacob. I don't want him half dead, hurting himself in some misguided attempt. And he says, look, bitch, I just want to track down a vampire that I'm allowed to kill. Okay. Like capiche. Does that make any sense to you? I want to kill a vampire. And she's like, Hmm. All right. That, I guess that makes sense. So then he asks about graduation. She brings up the party. We go on and on about the party. And eventually she says, consider yourself invited. It's my party. So I should be able to ask who I want because he joked about being hurt because he didn't get an invitation. So here she is just inviting a werewolf to the Cullens' house. Like I think the party's at the Cullens' house. Does she say no problem with that? Like, yeah, it would break a treaty, but also it would mean that Alice's visions are completely useless as soon as Jacob's around. I don't think Alice would appreciate that risk. And Jacob's like, yeah, well, thanks for the invite, but that would probably not be very wise. And then he falls asleep. He's snoring. And so she just watches TV thinking about shit, just being like, oh, it's good to see him getting some sleep. He looks younger when he's asleep. Oh God, spare me, Bella. So she's really just assessing her life. She's thinking about becoming a vampire. She's thinking about exams and finals and Jacob and about getting turned into a vampire, like why she wants that to happen, how she wants that to happen. And she's thinking about, you know, she could get Carlisle to do it, but she really wants Edward to do it. And in order for that to happen, she has to get married. And she says, it was childish, but I liked the idea that his lips would be the last good thing I would feel. Even more embarrassingly, something I would never say aloud, I wanted his venom to poison my system. It would make me belong to him in a tangible, quantifiable way. This is the bitch that doesn't like marriage. She doesn't like the idea of marriage, but she's all fine with being owned by Edward because it's Edward's venom in her blood. And she thinks she would belong to him. because I know I was meant to cut the bitch some slack. I'm sorry, M23, but I just can't. I can't. Because really, what difference does it make if it's Edward turning you into a vampire or James or Carlisle or Alice or even fucking Emmett. There's no difference at all. And if it's just about some sort of metaphorical belonging, then yeah, just get married then. And then she sees the vision of her and Edward on the porch swing, the porch swing, the porch swing again. The porch swing. And she says the porch swing wearing clothes from another kind of well. Does she think if she gets turned into a vampire and gets married, she's going to be magically transported back to the 1920s? I don't think so, Bella. She says, a world where it would surprise no one if I wore his ring on my finger. A simpler place where love was defined in simpler ways. What, are you going to get a time machine? You need to let this vision of the porch swing go. So then Jacob, he's still snoring away, snoring away. This is pages of her inner monologue. And then he like flops his arm on her and she's getting a bit hot because he's sweltering. So she's like, ah, Jake, get off me, get off me. And then he wakes up and he says, oh no, did I fall asleep? Oh, that's so annoying. I wanted to like hang out with you. And he says, let's go outside. Let's go for a walk or I'll pass out. So they go outside, they go for a walk. And he's like, oh damn, I'm an idiot. I wanted to talk to you. I can't believe I slept like that. And she's like, okay, well then talk to me now. And so then he meets her eyes and then he looks away. She says, it almost looked like he was blushing but it was hard to tell with his dark skin. (sighs) Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. Mm Mm-hmm. And then she remembers what Edward had said when she got dropped off about Jacob wanting to say something that he was thinking in his head. And she's like, oh shit, here we go. What's it going to be? And he says, Bella, I want to tell you something and you already know it, but I think I should say it out loud anyway, just so there's no confusion. 
Like, babe, I don't think there's any confusion. I don't think there's any confusion, dude. I think if you're going to confess your love to her, we all know. We all know. Billy knows. Angela from Trig knows. Mr. Verner from English, he knows. He says, I'm in love with you, Bella. Bella, I love you. And I want you to pick me instead of him. I know you don't feel that way, but I need the truth out there so that you know your options. I I think she knows her options. He says, I wouldn't want a miscommunication to stand in our way. A miscommunication? She's not interested in you. You're the one mishearing that. It's not a miscommunication. You're just obtuse. And that was the end of the chapter, by the way. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And we go straight to chapter 15, Wager, and it's the same scene, the same moment. And she says, I could not think of one thing to say back to him. I would say, yeah, I know. I'm not shocked here. You've made yourself perfectly clear, as have I. I'm not interested. The end. But she says, oh, Jake. Oh, um, Jake. Oh, I don't know, Jake. And she's like, I gotta go, Jake. And he says, no, wait, wait, Bella. Bella. Bella, 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 look, Bella, look at me. Like, he's so insufferable in this moment. Look, answer me this all right. Do you want me to go away and never see you again? Be honest. Well, that's a different thing, Jacob. Wanting you to exist as a person is different to wanting to date you. I see why a lot of the Team Edward people hate Jacob. It's because he can be a little prick, can't he? Like, he's just so stubborn. And it's just like, get the hint. No, it's not even a hint. Understand what's being told to you. She's not interested. And I feel bad that Bella's in this situation. So here I am cutting the bitch some slack, as I was asked to do. (laughs) And she says, well, no, I don't want to never see you again. And he's like, aha, gotcha, see? And I'm like, no, Jacob, that, (sighs) he's so annoying. And she says, but I don't want you around for the same reason that you want me around. And he says, okay, well then can you clarify why you want me around then? And this is when she should have just been like, you're my friend. That's it. 
but she says, I miss you when you're not here, when you're happy. It makes me happy. Uh, uh, (sighs) You're giving him too much. And she does the old, I love you, but I'm not in love with you. And he is just not accepting that at all. He says, oh, okay, yeah, but you do want me around though. He's really trying to catch her. And she says, well, yeah. And he says, great, I'll stick around then. Oh, Jacob, I really think you need to shut up and listen to what she's telling you. And then he strokes the tips of his finger across her right cheek and she slaps his hand away. And I think at this point, you've you've been polite. It's time to punch him in the fucking face and walk out of there. And she says, do you think you could behave yourself a little better? And he says, no, I don't. And it's at that point that I'd say, okay, end of friendship then. Oh, remember that line from She's the Man? When at the start of the movie, Amanda Bynes, when she's still a girl, her boyfriend's being a real bitch about the girls not being able to join the boys' soccer team or whatever. And he's like, yeah, I got a problem with that or something like that. And she says, yeah, well, end of relationship. And I thought that was just the greatest burn ever in the whole entire world. And I think I misquoted it, but I'll slot it in right now. I never said that. What are you talking about? Why are you lying? Well, end of discussion. Fine. End of relationship. End of relationship. Like that's such a good burn. And that's what I would have said to Jacob. I would have said, if you can't behave yourself, then end of friendship. But he says, you decide Bella, you can have me the way I am, bad behavior included, or not at all. And I'd say, yeah, okay, not at all. But she says, Jake, that's mean. Don't put me in that position, Jake. And he says, well, so are you. What? And she's like, wow, I am mean. I am mean. If I wasn't mean, I would tell him I didn't want to be friends and walk away. It was wrong to try and keep my friend when that would hurt him. Okay, now that you've had that realization, then just say it and walk away. Like, (laughs) but he says, oh, don't worry though. I forgive you. I recently decided that I'm not giving up. Oh, oh, Jacob. Oh, you're being so fucking frustrating. And she says, Jacob, I love him, Jacob. He's my whole life. And he says, you love me too, though. Remember? Remember when I got you in that gotcha and you said that you loved me? And she's like, yeah, I just said I love you, but I'm not in love with you. Did you not hear that? And he says, yeah, I get that you don't love me the same way but he's not your whole life either anymore because he left. Remember he left, he abandoned you. And he's just gonna have to deal with the consequences of that choice. And that consequence is me. And she says, oh, Jesus Christ, you're impossible. And he says, until your heart stops beating, Bella, I'll be here fighting. Don't forget that. And she's like, yeah, my heart's gonna stop beating in like three days. She can't wait for her heart to stop beating. And so she says, uh, you know, my heartbeats are numbered, Jacob. The time is almost gone. And he's like, oh, all the more reason to fight. See, she can't come back with anything because he is just not willing to negotiate. And she shouldn't have to negotiate, obviously. She should just say, get fucked. But she's being too nice, even though she's gaslighting herself into thinking she's being mean. I am on Team Bella. I think for the first time in my life, I am hashtag Team Bella. Dump the both of them. And then she can sense that he's about to lean in for a kiss and she goes to say no, but she just gets out a because it was too late to object. His lips crushed mine, stopping my protest. So he's kissing her without consent. I mean, she was clearly just about to say, no, don't kiss me. And he got in before she could say it. And then she says, he kissed me angrily, roughly, his other hand gripping tight around the back of my neck, making escape impossible. Yikes. If you're trying to win someone over, maybe kissing them angrily isn't the way to do it. Also, maybe don't hold her in a vice grip so she can't get out of it. Like, ugh. And so she's grabbing at his face, trying to push him away, and she can't do it because he's a bloody supernatural creature. She says, his lips forced mine open and I could feel his hot breath in my mouth. Blech. That, that's disgusting. Hot breath in a mouth? No. No, 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 no way. A hot breath in your mouth. Ugh, can't think of anything worse. And so she says, acting on instinct, I let my hands drop to my side and shut down. I opened my eyes and didn't fight, didn't feel, just waited for him to stop. Oof, that's dark. That is dark, 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 and I feel bad for her. 
And so she says it worked, the anger seemed to evaporate and he pulled back to look at me. And then he pressed his lips softly to mine again, once, twice, and a third time, and she pretended she was a statue and waited. Jacob, 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 if her words don't tell you that she's not into it, then maybe listen to her body language. She's not kissing you back. She's clearly gone all catatonic because you're assaulting her. Take a note and back the fuck off. But then she says, are you done? And he says, yep. And he starts to smile and she says, oh, no, you're fucking not. And so she pulls her arms back and she punches him in the mouth. I love that. I mean, I'm against violence. I'm against violence in all forms, but you know what? I loved it. He just blew his hot breath into her mouth against her will. So yeah, you're going to get punched in the face, Jacob. That's a life lesson for you. But again, he's a supernatural creature. So she breaks her hand. She's like, ow, 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 my hand, my hand. She's like, it's broken. I could feel it. And Jacob's like, oh, you okay? And she says, no, you broke my hand. And he's like, well, actually you broke your hand. And he's like, all right, well, let's get in my car. And she's like, don't fucking touch me. I'm done with you. I'm leaving. She says, I'd rather walk than get in your car. She thinks if she just walks the few miles to the border, Alice would then see her and then she'd send someone to pick me up, which I think is a little presumptuous of Alice. (laughs) But also you're going to walk miles to the border, miles with a broken hand. Like you could just go back into the house, use the phone and call Charlie. But no, her plan is to walk miles. And Jacob's insisting saying, just let me drive you home. And she's like, you know what, actually, why not? Take me home. I can't wait to see what Edward does to you when you drop me off. She says, I hope he snaps your neck, you pushy, obnoxious, moronic dog. And dog is written in all caps. So she's yelling, I guess. I don't really know if there's a place for all caps yelling in books, in text messages. Sure. In emails. Sure. In books. I don't know. Maybe you could use your words a bit better than just capitalizing things. But okay, I digress. So they get in the car and she's annoyed. She's furious. She's like, did it not even hurt you at all? And he's like, oh no, I didn't even notice that you punched me. (laughs) And she says, I hate you, Jacob Black. And he's still misinterpreting her words and spinning them. He's like a spin doctor. And he says, oh, that's good. Hate is a passionate emotion, passionate emotions. That's what he wants. And she says, I'll give you passionate murder, the ultimate crime of passion. And Jacob has the gall in this car ride to try and banter with her. He's like, oh, that must've been better than kissing a rock, hey? And she was like, no, 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 it wasn't. And he's like, well, I thought it was pretty incredible. And she was like, ugh. And he says, you're going to think about it tonight. When he thinks you're asleep, you'll be thinking about your options. Mate, you are being far too confident. I think I speak for everyone when I say you were much more likable when you were tired and sleeping on the couch. And Bella, she, oh, she's not good with the burns. She's just been through an ordeal. She's got a broken hand, but she's not the best at a comeback. She says, yeah, I will be thinking about you tonight. It will be because I'm having a nightmare. Badumptish. Not the best burn, Bells. Not the best burn, but it was an attempt. It was an attempt. And Jacob is not letting up. He's like, think how good it could be, Bella. You wouldn't have to change. Charlie would still be happy. I could protect you probably better than your vampire can. I'd make you happy. And he says, I'll bet he couldn't even kiss you like that because he would hurt you. I would never hurt you, Bella. Even though she did just break her hand trying to punch you because you kissed her against her will. But yeah, okay. And he's bringing up the abandonment again. Like, okay, you got to let that go, Jacob. She's let it go somehow. If she can get over it, you as her friend need to get over it too. And oh my God, I was assuming with all of this dialogue that they were, they were en route to Bella's house. They were in the car, they were driving, but no, they were just sitting there. She has to finally say to him, take me home, my hand hurts. And he sighs and starts driving. Her hand is broken, Jacob, get to stepping. She doesn't want to sit in the car having a conversation. And we are just going back and forth, repeating everything. And I think it's Stephanie Meyer's poor writing that's coming into it now, because no way are these characters talking so circularly because he says, just think about it, Bella. And she says, no. And he says, well, you will think about it tonight. And I'll be thinking about you while you're thinking about me. And she's like, yeah, I'll be thinking about you in my nightmare. Like we've covered that. We've covered it. And then he says, yeah, you kiss me back though. And she says, no, I didn't. 
And he's like, mm, I think I can tell the difference. And she's like, obviously you can't. Obviously you can't. And he's like, wow, you're being a bit touchy. And she's like, what? Of course I'm being fucking touchy. I'm pissed. So they finally get to Bella's house and she's like, uh, what are we doing here? Why are you taking me here? And he's like, didn't, didn't you say you wanted to go home? And she's like, ugh, like she wanted to get dropped off at Edward's house. How's he meant to know that? Like I'm back on Jacob's side momentarily because he's not a mind reader. I know you might be getting used to having a mind reader in the house, but he's not a mind reader. So she gets out of the car, she heads for the house and Jacob fucking follows her. He is so annoying in this chapter. And she says, I'm gonna go ice my hand, then I'm gonna call Edward and tell him to come and get me and take me to Carlisle so that he can fix my hand. And Jacob's like, okay, cool, I'll just hang around. And so he just hangs around. So they go inside and Charlie's like, what's wrong with her? She's in a huff. And Jacob's like, she broke her hand, the big dum-dum. And Charlie's like, how'd she do that? That's hilarious. And Jacob says, well, she hit me. And Charlie laughs and Jacob laughs. That's kind of odd to me. Like, I know Charlie likes Jacob, but shouldn't your first concern be, oh my God, her hand's broken. Hope she's okay. And then shouldn't your second question be like, well, why'd she punch you? What the fuck did you do to my daughter? But Charlie's laughing. He's still seated. He is on his lazy ass while she's getting herself some ice in a tea towel. And then after the laughter dies down, Charlie finally does say, oh, why'd she hit you? And he says, because I kissed her. And Charlie says, good for you, kid. Oh, I am so off you, Charlie. I'm off you. You're making Renee look like the good parent and that's quite the feat. So she calls up Edward. Edward's obviously using his car phone or, or his mobile phone. I'm unclear on what the technology is with phones in 2007. So he's in the Volvo already. And she says, will you come get me? And he's like, cool, I'm on my way. What's wrong? And she says, she's got a broken hand. She punched Jacob. And Edward's like, oh, that's good. Although I'm sorry that you're hurt. So everyone just thinks it's freaking hilarious. And so Edward says, what did he do? And she says, he kissed me. And she says, all I heard on the other end of the line was the sound of an engine accelerating. She's got bloody eagle ears. That is just some good hearing from Bella Swan or the reception between phones and forks is crystal clear because that's really impeccable hearing. So then Charlie's like, "Mm, Jacob, you should probably head off. And Jacob says, I think I'll hang out here if you don't mind. And Charlie just says, "Hmm, your funeral. Charlie, you're a police officer. What? Why are you so happy with violence? So then Edward's parking at the front and she walks back to the lounge room and Charlie, still seated, he says, how's your hand? And Jacob is also just plopped onto the lounge. And so she says, it's swelling. And she shows him and he says, maybe you should pick on people your own size. What? What kind of advice is that to give your daughter that just broke her hand punching someone who sexually assaulted her? Charlie is really shitting me. So Edward comes, he inspects the hand and he says, yeah, it looks broken. Oh God. No one just wanted to take her at her word. She said it was broken. She said, I know it's broken and no one believed her. And so then Edward's like, Jacob. And he comes up to the house and Charlie's like, uh, guys, you might want to calm down. I don't want any fighting. Do you understand? I can go put my badge on if that makes my request more official. Charlie. To go and put your badge on, you'd have to get up off your ass. And I don't think you're ever going to do that, you lazy sack of shit. And Edward's like, oh gosh, let's not even bother right now. And he says, all right, Bella, let's go to Carlisle. We'll fix that hand. Edward is just such a dish all of a sudden. He is being mature. He's not being uber possessive and jealous all the time as much as he normally is. I don't know. This chapter, I'm rapidly switching to Team Edward. It's, It's quite the roller coaster. So they walk out and then Jacob goes to follow them and Charlie's like, what the fuck are you doing, kid? So Charlie's clearly intimidated by Edward or gets the sense that Edward is dangerous because I think he's actually scared that Edward's gonna bash Jacob up. But again, he doesn't do anything because he's the laziest person in the world. And so Jacob goes out there and Charlie just watches through the blinds, through the window. And Edward says to Jacob, I'm not going to kill you now because it would upset Bella. And she goes, huh. She's like, huh, because you know what? She kind of wants him to get killed. And he says, it would bother you in the morning. Oh, what a dish. What a considerate little dish. And he says, if you ever bring her back here damaged again, and I don't care whose fault it is, if you return her to me in less than perfect condition, you will be running with three legs. 
Do you understand that, mongrel? Okay, I don't know if we need the name calling. Also, the running with three legs thing, that that took me a second. I was like, oh, is he going in a three-legged race? But no, I assume he means that he's going to cut off one of his legs or arms. I don't know which one you'd pick. And Edward says, and if you ever kiss her again, I will break your jaw for her. And Jacob says, well, what if she wants me to? And Edward says, well, if that's what she wants, then I won't object. Although you might want to wait for her to say it rather than trust your interpretation of body language. But it's your face. Ooh, Edward. You are saying all the right things to me this evening. I am, I'm kind of into it. And Edward says, one more thing. I'll be fighting for her too. You should know that. I'm not taking anything for granted and I'll be fighting twice as hard as you will. And Jacob says, good. It's no fun beating someone who forfeits. And then Edward says, she is mine. And that's where he loses me. You know, she's not a possession. And then Edward's like, I didn't say I would fight fair. And Jacob says, neither did I. And then Jacob says, may the best man win. And he says, well, that's about right, pup. So we're back to the name calling. So Edward and Bella drive off and they get to the Cullens' house and we get a really weird description of, of what's happening. She says, Edward drove around the house to the garage. Emmett and Rosalie were there. Rosalie's perfect legs, recognizable even sheathed in jeans, were sticking out from under the bottom of Emmett's huge Jeep. So she just sees a pair of legs hanging out from under a car and she's like, oh, that's Rosalie. Rosalie's perfect legs, even when they're hidden in jeans. I don't know what's going on there. Does Bella have a bit of a girl crush on Rosalie and and her legs at least? Like your hand's broken. You've just been through this tumultuous ordeal. Your dad's a piece of shit. And here you are fixating on Rosalie's perfect legs. Ah, okay. And so Emmett sees her hand and he says, fall down again, Bella. So yeah, he does tease her. (laughs) I I guess he does tease her a bit. And she says, no, Emmett, I punched a werewolf in the face. And Emmett thinks that's hilarious. He's like, oh my God, that's amazing. He says, that is so funny. And then Rosalie says, Jasper's gonna win the bet, you know? And then Emmett stops laughing. And she's like, what bet? And Edward's like, oh, Emmett and Jasper, they're betting on how many times you slip in the first year. As in how many people she kills. She says, I grimaced, trying to hide my sudden horror as I realized what he meant. Her sudden horror, she was planning on killing people last chapter. She had no qualms about Edward going and killing people, but now she's horrified. She's horrified. And she says, I felt a little high. What? I don't, I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. What does it mean? What does it mean? What does it mean? She says it in the same line. Okay, let me just read this out for you guys. So she says, they have a bet. And he says, yes, Rosalie thinks your temper will turn the odds in Jasper's favor. And she narrates, I felt a little high. And then in that same line, someone says, Jasper's betting high. I don't know whether I felt a little high comes in. Maybe she actually feels like she's had marijuana. I don't know. And so now she's having a little freak out thinking about killing people. Like it's brand new information to her. She says, in my head, I was seeing newspaper headlines, lists of names. Like, yeah, fuck. Why is it a shock that you're going to want to kill people when you're a newborn vampire? It's been established quite thoroughly. She says, all of Jasper's stories about newly created vampires had been percolating in my head since he'd explained his past. Now those stories jumped into sharp focus with the news of his and Emmett's wager. So now, now that there's an outside force betting on how many people she'll kill, now she's thinking, maybe I'll kill people. I never thought to relate Jasper's stories to myself. She says, I'd always known that I would be different. Like, this is seriously a realization. We're going through the thought process. I'd always known that I would be different. (laughs) Okay. I hoped that I would be as strong as Edward, strong and fast, and most of all, beautiful. Most of all, beautiful. All she really cares about is being pretty. Didn't really think so much about the murder. She's thinking maybe I would not be able to stop myself from killing people. People who had lives and families and friends and futures. And I could be the monster who took that away from them. 
But in truth, I could handle that part. Oh, she could handle that. She's fine with that. She says she trusts Edward completely to not let her hurt people. Because she thinks they'll be in Antarctica hunting penguins. (sighs) She's thinking, what if I become like that? If all I wanted was to kill people, what would happen to the things that I want now? And now she's thinking maybe Edward's onto something with the whole missing human experiences thing. Like, oh God, she finally got there. But then she's looking at his face while Carlisle's fixing her hand. She's just staring at Edward's face. And she says, there was nothing in this world that I wanted more than him. What could change that? Was there a human experience that I was not willing to give up? So yeah, she's, she's just had this huge realization. She's going to become a vampire. She's going to kill people. She's going to be a completely different person but she gets to hang out with a boyfriend, so it's all worth it. (sighs) The morals in this book are just all over the shop, aren't they? The fact that the focus at the end of the chapter isn't on Jacob sexually assaulting her, or it's on on her wanting to be with her boyfriend forever, even if that means she has to kill people. Like, that's just crazy. Anyway, that's the end of the chapter. Next chapter is titled Epoch, so that's fun. As I said at the top of the show, any thoughts, email them through. Leave a review if you can, and also head over to patreon.com slash breaking down bad books if you want to get in on the insurgent recaps. And I'll see you guys next week for more Eclipse. Bye. Send your burning thoughts, frustrations, and grievances on this latest chapter of this shitty book to breakingdownpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at podbreakingdown and Instagram at breakingdownbadbooks. You can visit www.breakingdownbadbooks.com for all the listen links, contact information, merch, and more. To support the show on Patreon and gain access to exclusive ad-free bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash breakingdownbadbooks. Ratings and reviews on your preferred podcast platform are also a fun, free way to support the show. Breaking Down Bad Books is hosted by me, Nathan Brown, who you can follow on Instagram and Twitter at NathanBrown90. Thanks for listening and happy reading. 